Thank you for visiting Crosslink Community Church. We are located in Terre Haute, Indiana. For more information, please visit us online at cocchurch.com. Let's listen to one of our Sunday morning messages. Hey, we're in a series called Fearless. Uh, it's our second week of that series, and uh, I, I'm excited about today's lesson, especially because it's, it deals with three guys that um, I have an awful lot of respect for. This is one of my favorite stories in all of Scripture, and you'll, you'll see why as we get into it. The whole fearless thing is about looking at, at people in the Old Testament who um, faced circumstances that would basically cause you to be afraid and, and, and cause you to have to do things that you maybe wouldn't want to do or that you would, would scare you. We're operating off the premise of 2 Timothy 1.7, which says, For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego faced one of the most scary situations that I think that a, a couple of guys, three guys, could experience. I, I can't imagine something any worse than what they have to go through, as you're going to see this morning. But God did not give them a spirit of fear. Instead, you're going to see how God delivers them, and you're going to see how that whole story can speak to all of us. Um, by way of a history lesson this morning, it was the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in, in Judah, and there was a guy in Babylon named Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was, uh, um, they, they went in, they captured a bunch of the Israelites and uh, a bunch of the people from Judah, and King Nebuchadnezzar said, I want you to go in, I want you to find the biggest, the, the brightest, the, the, the most well-educated, the most beautiful, the most handsome, the, the best put-together people. I want you to find the best of the best. I want you to bring them back. We're going to bring them back to Babylon, and we're going to do a, a really um, an amazing thing. We're going to basically take them, transplant them into our environment, and we're going to raise them <clears throat> to be Babylonians. We're going to give them our food. We're going to give them our education. We're going to teach them our history. We're going we're to indoctrinate them into our culture. We're going to make them Babylonians, even though that's really not what they are. And so these three guys that we're going to look at today were little boys when they were captured by Nebuchadnezzar and his men. And the first thing that the Babylonian leaders did was to change their names. Their names were, were not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's not what they started as. They had what we would call Christian names. They had names that were associated with their God, who was Yahweh, and um, the Babylonian leaders changed those names so that every time they heard their name, it was one more way to link them to the Babylonian gods that the, the people of Babylon served. They were basically saying, we're, you know, we're going we're gonna to make you at every turn think about the things that we think about. And we're going to make you think about the gods that we think about, worship the gods that we worship. Now, that's not at all unlike what uh, our spiritual enemy would do to us. You know, God wants us to, to think about certain things. He wants us to hear what he says about us, but <clears throat> the, our spiritual enemy has certain things that he wants to say to us and wants us to hear those things instead, doesn't want us to hear from God. And so maybe many of you can relate to that. Somebody maybe has, has heard some things about themselves growing up, and you've heard the same things over and over and over your whole life, and you have come to believe those things. I, I've, I can't tell you how many little kids I've run into or I've seen out somewhere with their parents. Uh, over at the ballpark, I've seen this a lot where you know a parent will just say horrible things to their kids you know like you're, you're a failure or you're a loser or you're never going to mount anything or you know you, you can't can't you do it any better than that and and you know if you grow up thinking that you're stupid or that you're a loser or you're pathetic or that you know no matter how hard you try you're never going to count you hear that over and over and over again 
It does something to your psyche. It does something to the way you grow up. And maybe there's somebody in the room this morning that can relate to that. Uh, If you've heard it over and over and over again, pretty soon you get to a place where you start to believe it. Uh, Remember Gideon last week from our story, and God said to him, you are a mighty warrior. And Gideon starts to talk back and say, no, God, you don't understand. I'm not a mighty warrior. I'm, I'm I'm just a little old weak guy from a little old clan and uh, called Manasseh and and you know that's he he had basically rehearsed over and over in his mind I'm nothing special I'm certainly not a candidate for God to use I'm not anybody's hero I'm not a strong man of any kind and he started to believe that God saw him one way Gideon saw himself another way my dad uh, my dad's name is is Charles Edward Wilson and growing up I never heard anybody call my dad Charles Edward Wilson. Now, when he officially signs his name, he signs it C.E. And I have heard him on occasion when he's talking to a doctor's office or he's talking to the government officials for whatever reason. I've heard him say this is C.E. Wilson, but I've never heard anybody call him Charles. Um, People in, in my circle call my dad Buzzy. His name is Buzzy. I mean, if you see dad, his name is Buzzy. Well, where did that name come from? That name comes from when he was born... He had an older brother who was trying to say brother, and it didn't come out as brother. It came out as Buzzy, and so he heard that all the time. Well, that's what everybody came to call my dad as is Buzzy, and so now dad has heard that his entire life, and that's what he answers to. That's the name that he, 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 it's the name he comes to now when you call him Buzzy. Um, uh, He's come to believe that that's what his name is. I'm making it sound like he's stupid. He's not stupid. It's just, it's when you hear a certain thing, you just come to associate with that certain thing. You know what I'm trying to say, right? I'm not saying my dad's stupid. Please understand I'm not saying that. Um, the Babylonian leaders called these guys by certain names, thinking maybe they will come to believe in our gods. We pick up our story this morning in Daniel chapter 3, verse 1. If you have a Bible, turn there. Daniel chapter 3, verse 1. And I realize Daniel's not the easiest book in the Bible to find. So if you have to go to the table of contents and track this down, There's no shame in that, okay? Just go to the front, find out where Daniel is, and go to Daniel chapter 3. This is a great, great story. And there's a couple of things in here I'm going to want you to circle and underline and and get uh, kind of familiar with. I think it will help you. And uh, just a great story. Daniel chapter 3, verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold. He's going to make an idol, and this thing is going to be huge. And, And he's going to say to everybody, I want you to bow down and serve and worship this idol or I'm going to throw you into the fire. He made a, a huge image of gold. And, uh, and look at these dimensions. 90 feet high and 9 feet wide. 90 feet high. Think about that for a minute. 90 feet. I mean, you walk, this thing is just huge. And, and he says to everybody, every government leader, every official, every magistrate, every person that, that uh, is going to come into, into contact with with. Babylon come in here we're going to put this idol in front of you we want you to bow down to the idol verse 4 tells us what the herald said then the herald loudly proclaimed this is what you are commanded to do O peoples nations and men of every language as soon as you hear the sound of the horn flute zither lyre harp pipes and all kinds of music in other words as soon as the band starts to play you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up now 10 different times in this passage you're going to see the word worship Okay, that's one of the words you might want to circle. Verse 6, whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Now, 
in my house, at my house, we have a little bit of land and, and uh, we have some trees on our property. And when we have wind like we had a couple of weeks ago or last week, it's, it's pretty nasty. I mean, it's, um, you walk around, there's limbs everywhere. And, and on our property, there's never a shortage of work to be done. And there's never a shortage of limbs to be cut up and trees to, you know, chop up. And um, I have a chainsaw. And when I'm really feeling industrious, I'll get out and work with my chainsaw and cut up a, a tree. And it really excites my wife when I do that because I don't do it very often. But when I do... We have this great big huge, I've made some huge fires on my property before. We've got three different burn piles, uh, front, middle, and back, and, and you know we just keep throwing limbs on there and keep throwing limbs, and they get huge. And then one day we'll take the kerosene out and fire it up and, and just watch the thing burn. And uh, it's really kind of cool, but there have been a couple of occasions when I have started up a fire like that, and it's gotten so big that it intimidated me a little, and I thought, ooh, you know, um, you start thinking, where's the water? Um, you start thinking, do I have my phone on me so I can get some help if I need it because it's just getting huge. And I, I've built some fires like that, but I've, I've, you know, Nebuchadnezzar tells everybody, you're going to bow down to this idol, to this image. And everybody in the kingdom does it except for these three men. The, 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 the penalty is you're going to be thrown into the furnace. You're going to face the fire if you don't do that. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood tall when the king found out about these three guys uh, he's furious and he says you know i'm gonna he calls them in he says i'm gonna give you one more chance we're gonna do this again you got one more chance when when everybody hits their knees you better hit your knees or else you're gonna go into the furnace daniel chapter 3 verse 15 the second part but if you do not worship it you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace then what god will be able to rescue you from my hand and here's what i want you to understand this morning a faith that has been tested by fire is a faith that can be trusted. A faith that has been tested by fire is a faith that can be trusted. A faith that has endured fiery trials in your life. I've said this many times, the things that I've really learned in life that have meant anything to me, I've always learned those with a frown on my face. Those haven't been fun things. Those haven't been you know, things that you'd sign up for and say, hey, I want to do that. Um, you learn those things the hard way. Here's a question for you this morning. Can your faith handle the fire? That's really the question for all of us. That's one of the things that, that we should always be aware of. For a lot of people, the answer is no. We have somewhat of a pseudo-faith. We would say, you know, I, I don't know if I had to go through something really uh, hard, really big. Um, can your faith handle the trial of an unanswered prayer? You pray certain things. You ask God for sp uh, specific things, things that you really believe that you need and things that you really believe that God will answer in a specific and certain way. And in your eyes, he doesn't. Can your faith handle the fire of an unanswered prayer? Can it handle loss? Can your faith handle the loss of someone you love? Can your faith handle the fiery trials of life? Because the, the fact of the matter is, a faith that is tested by fire is a faith that can be trusted. A lot of people, their faith can't handle those kind of things. They, they can't handle when, when, when life gets hard and when the fire rages um, seemingly out of control sometimes. It, it just seems to burn their faith up. But, but is your faith the kind of faith that weathers a fiery furnace? And is your faith the kind of faith that, that can be trusted? Think about these boys. Some say that these kids were 16, 17, 18 years old. They may have been, we really don't know, they may have been in their early 20s, but they're fairly young. They wanted to live. They wanted to make a difference. They had dreams and goals just like you and just like your kids do, just like we all do. Um, and here they are faced with this unbelievable choice. All you have to do is, is bow down like everybody else and things are going to be fine. 
um, there won't be any problems. Just this one time. Just bow down one time and everything will be fine. But if you don't do this one thing, it's game over. You're dead. Your, your life comes to an end. You'll be burned alive. What would you do? I think most of us uh, would be at least tempted if, in fact, we didn't follow through with it, would be very tempted to say, well, you know, just this once, uh, I mean, really, what's it going to hurt if I do this just this once? If I just worship this idol, especially if I do it just to survive, I mean, really, honestly, if, if I don't um, do what I'm being told to do, I'm not going to survive and I'm not going to have a chance to fulfill some of the goals and dreams and maybe visions that I think God has, has given to me. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd be thinking maybe I'm here to make a difference, and I can't really make a difference if I'm not living. I'm here to, to tell people who Christ is or, or who God is, and, and I can't do that if I'm dead. Um, I can't tell anybody about the one true God. Um, so it would be really easy for the, the, the three guys to start thinking to themselves, you know, as much as we love God, if we don't do what we're told to do, they're going to kill us, and we won't have a chance to make sure that our God is known. And so maybe it's, it's possible that we might say, well, you know, in my heart, I will be worshiping my God. I won't be worshiping their God. Um, no one would know the difference. Or we might think, well, you know, I'll just worship just for a second. And, you know, down and up I come and, and uh, I'm done. And God, please forgive me a little bit later. It's, it's easy for something like this to start sliding toward rationalization. And, you know, you, you rationalize once and then pretty soon it's another time. And before you know it, you've just got a whole life of that. Um, what do we do when our faith is tested by fire? The lives of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego teach us three things. First of all, we have to obey God's commands rather than the expectations of man. It's a very difficult thing to do, especially in this culture. Uh, certainly Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would have said, you know, it's tough in our culture. We've got expectations that man's putting on us, but we're not going to do that. We're going to obey God's commands instead. The king said, bow down. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. In other words, we've already made up our minds. Before any of this ever came up, before you ever made the image, before any uh, decrees ever came down from on high, um, this was our plan. And you say, well, what was the plan of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? The plan was obedience. The plan was we're going to follow God. Long before the issue ever arose, uh, they planned to obey God. They didn't ask for more time. They didn't say, hey, could we have a little time to pray about this? You know, they didn't uh, say, could we consult our friends? Could I go talk to mom and dad about it and see what they think? Um, they didn't take out a pen and paper and on one side write all the pros and on the other side write all the cons, which is an interesting thing that we do. Sometimes you can do the pros and cons thing and, and still, at the end of the day, you know, the, the cons far outweigh the pros and you'd say, well, there's really not a reason to do this. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they got done, if they did, in fact, do the whole pros and cons thing, and on the pros side it was, we're going to obey God, and everything else was a con. That, that's a plan that you want to follow. Because if you don't, it'll lead you into a life of, of compromise. Sometimes you, you may have tons of cons and no pros, and just the one pro you've got is obeying God. You always go with that pro if you can. King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, we don't even have to talk about this, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Abednego could have said we, this is a decision that's made for us in advance uh, we have a plan and our plan is to obey God no matter what and so that's what they did today it's possible that you face an easy way out or you face a, 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 a circumstance that um, is very very difficult we must obey God's commands instead of man's expectations 
The second thing you do when your faith is tested by fire is that, is that you, you, you do this, and this is a very, very important thing. I, don't, I hope I can do this the right way. Believe God's truth instead of the facts. And you say, well, that's kind of strange. I mean, facts are facts. You believe God's truth instead of the facts. Daniel 3.17 They've been told, bow down and worship, and they're not going to do it. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve, and, and it wasn't the God that they'd heard about. It wasn't uh, you know, the God that their friends served. It wasn't the God that they'd read about in a book. It was the God that we serve, the God we know, the God that we have fellowship with, the God that, that we have trusted, the God that our parents have trusted, the God of Isaac, Abraham, and Jacob the God that's been in our generation and the God that our generations have served for years and years, the one true God, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. Say this out loud with me. And he will rescue us. He will rescue us from your hand, O king. See, the difference between uh, believing God and, and just believing the facts and believing the truth what are some of the facts? The, the facts are the king said to bow down. That's a fact. They didn't do it. That's a fact. The king got angry. That's a fact. The king was building a big bonfire and it was very, very hot. That's a fact. The king was about to throw him into the furnace. That was a fact. And our God will deliver us was their truth that they stood on. You know, all the facts lined up. These, this is what's going to happen. This is what... Uh, what we're led to believe. This is what the facts say. And on the back side of that, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are saying this is the truth. See the difference? We don't just you know, live with facts, but also truth. How does Scripture bear this out? The fact is that it is humanly impossible to walk on water. The truth of the matter is that Jesus did that. The truth of the matter is that Peter did that as well for a brief time with God's help. The fact is when you're dead, you're dead. The truth is, is that Jesus didn't stay dead when they put him in a tomb. The fact of the matter is that when you're in fa financial trouble and you've got uh, more month at the end than you've got money, you know, you know what that feels like? You get to the end, it's like, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? For many, that's a fact. The truth is, uh, God is a great provider. The fact may be that the doctor says there's no cure. The truth of the matter is, is that Jesus is the great physician. The fact may be that your marriage is in big, big trouble. The truth of the matter is that God is a God of restoration and can fix things and heal things. The fact is you may be failing and facing an impossible situation, fraught with failure, fraught with problems, fraught with obstacles, and you don't know what to do. The truth is all things are possible with God. But you don't just look at the facts, you, you look at the truth. The fact may be that you feel very distant from God. The fact may be that you, you feel disobedient, you feel... Um, separated uh, but the truth is he is pursuing you even now he pursues you even in spite of all that stuff which is just an amazing thing that God does the fact is you may feel like the biggest loser and you can't possibly understand how you might be redeemed you can't possibly fathom how God would love someone like you the truth is he's ready for you right now the truth is he loves you more than anything the truth is he's working in all things to bring about to those who love him and are called according to his purpose good things. Distinguish between facts and truth. We don't just believe what we see. We believe what he says. We don't just believe the facts. We believe the truth. What do you do when your faith is tested by fire? First of all, you obey God's truth rather than man's expectation. 
Second of all, you believe God's truth instead of the facts. Number three, and this is huge, we believe God and we don't just believe in God. Big difference between those two things. You believe God and you don't just believe in God. According to Newsweek, 91% of Americans believe in God. Don't you think that if 91% of Americans believed God and didn't just believe in God, that America would be a different place? Can you imagine how different our country would be if 9 out of 10 people lived their life as if they believed God and not just that they believed in God? Scripture says that even the demons believe in God. Maybe your biggest challenge is that you believe in him, but you don't believe him. Some people, that's the way they're raised. Some people... You were raised to, to go to church, you were raised to believe in God, and you go every week, and you listen to the preacher preach, and you listen to this, the, the people sing. You walk out the door, you shake hands with the, the pastor, and, and then you go home for the week, and that's it. And you really don't give it a whole lot more thought until you come back. Some people are raised to believe in God. They're not raised to believe God because his truth really doesn't affect their life. His truth really uh, doesn't make a difference. It, it just kind of falls. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't just believe in God. They believed God. That last part we just read is interesting to me. We believe that God is able to rescue us, and we believe that he will rescue us. Look at the next part, verse 18. I love this part. This is, this is probably one of my favorite uh, phrases in all of scripture this one little thing that they do because I, the, the faith involved in this is huge because I mean let's be honest a lot of people myself included from time to time we've fallen into this thing where I'll, God I'll follow you if you do your deal for me I, you know if you'll be faithful to me and if you'll show me that you care about me and if you'll do it the right way then you've got me I mean it's a conditional thing for us but but what you find with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is that there is, a, there is an unconditional element to their faith. There is a, a, a real powerful part to their faith. Verse 18, but even if he does not, we believe he will, we believe he can, but even if he does not, we know what we're going to do. We know what we should do. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. We believe we, he can, and we believe that he will. But even if he does not, that is the deepest form of faith. That is faith no matter what. That's what this kind of faith is. That's what we call the sermon this morning. It's, it's no matter what. Do you, do you have a no matter what kind of faith? You know, if I lose my job and, and I don't know what I'm going to do, we'll still believe in God. If, if, no matter what, if, 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 if I'm praying for my kids and I'm praying for my kids to go a certain direction and my kids just seem to go the entirely wrong direction, we'll believe God no matter what. If we pray and pray and pray and we expect a certain answer from God and we don't get the answer that we're really praying for, we'll still believe God no matter what. If we're praying for someone to be healed and they are, then we'll believe God no matter what. If we pray and they're not healed, We'll believe God no matter what. If we hurt and we ache and we're afraid and we're alone and it gets dark and you can't make sense and it, it just doesn't, it, it doesn't add up and, and life gets crazy, we'll still believe him no matter what. That is real faith. That's no matter what kind of faith. 
No matter that his word makes me feel uncomfortable, no matter that God says certain things and, you know, you go, oh, I don't know how I'm going to do that or I don't know how that's going to work out or it scares me. I'm afraid if I obey that or if I do that, uh, I'm not going to be happy or comfortable or, you know, fill in the blank. No matter if everybody's making fun of me, no matter if I go to work and everybody's, you know, jumping on Jesus, boy, because he goes to church and, you know, every now and then he quotes a Bible verse or, you you know, he's a believer in Christ, I, you know, I will believe I will be faithful I will believe God no matter what when I'm alone and I don't know what's going to happen next and I can't see my way through life and I can't figure it all out and I don't know where the finish line is I don't know how far I have to run I don't know what all the obstacles are in the way I'll believe God no matter what I will still worship him because he is Lord I love what Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego do No matter what I feel, no matter what I see, I do not live by feelings, I live by faith, no matter what. There are tons of people who believe in God. real trick is to believe God. It's a lot harder. I'm going to skip that part. I'm going to skip that part. King Nebuchadnezzar says, fine. You boys want to do it that way, you do it that way. If you, if you really believe God so strongly that you are willing to face a fire, then that's what we'll have. Crank up the flames, <clears throat> heat it up. Let's make that fire hot. So the Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar has the fire heated to seven times the regular temperature. Now to me, fire's fire. You know, one time fire hot, plenty hot enough for me, Okay. If you said, we're going to throw you in one time hot, we're going to throw you in seven times hot, I'm thinking, my options really aren't good either way, you know? So he says, get the strongest guards, they, they get the strongest guards they've got, they tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, tie them, you know, really strong, they heat the oven up seven times, they the Bible says that when they, this, this fire is so hot that when the, the guards take Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to the flames, that the guards are killed. Look at verse 24. Now, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the guards are killed, but they're not. Look what happens. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, O king, which, you know, you don't ever tell the king no. I mean, he's always right. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Now, the King James Version renders this a little differently. I'm sorry, the New King James renders this. um, The fourth is like the son of God. Now, we we don't know who that is. We have an idea. I mean, we're pretty sure it's a messenger of God. Could have been Jesus himself. Could have been an angel not really sure we know that God was there his presence was with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego you may never really know just how good the presence of God is until you are in the middle of the furnace you may never really know the love of God you may never really know his presence until you go through something that you would never pick out for yourself I've been with people a week ago, two weeks ago today I was asked to speak um, at the first church I ever served 
was the Reddington Christian Church in Seymour, Indiana, and they had their 175th anniversary. They asked me to come back and be one of the speakers for that, which was a huge honor for me, and I was tremendously thrilled to be able to do it. And one of the uh, ladies that walked out after I got done speaking introduced me to <clears throat> her teenage son. And I put my arm around this lady and told her son, I have great, great respect for your mother. And he looked at me kind of puzzled. She looked at me, you know, like I didn't expect him to say that. But I remember when I was at Reddington, she had a son. And he lived to be five months old. And I remember going to Riley Hospital with a pastor that I respected greatly. And every trip we made up there, he had a very rare blood disease. It was a hereditary thing, passed by the women to the young boys in the family. And we, we'd seen this child just, I mean, it was critical. You could tell it was not good. And so every trip we'd make up there, it was just a, it was just a bad deal. You would leave, it, you just felt bad and uh, we were on the way up it was we'd been told that day it was not good at all and we were on the way up and by the time we got there the baby had expired and we walked in and the husband was just cradling the baby in his arms in the rocking chair now that's bad enough they would conceive again they would have another boy they knew that this disease existed and they knew the great likelihood that this young boy could have this disease so they did the best they could to watch and, and you know, <clears throat> protect and do every medical thing possible to help this child live. This child lived to be 15 months old and about the time that it got really, really bad um, we were expecting our first child. We knew it was a boy. I remember going to the hospital trying to comfort this family, trying to be there for this family, and they would just smile and hug us and, and ask Myra and I, hey, how you doing? How are things going? Just horrible, horrible circumstances for this family. And the faith, we would pray with them, and, and they would smile, and they, their, their hearts were, they were not bitter. They didn't, they didn't harbor anger and resentment at God. They didn't shake their fists. They weren't, they weren't angry. Now, you know, sadly, this, this couple did not make it. I mean, I think that the kids, these two boys and what they went through probably had great stress, and, and the, the couple did not make it. But I had great respect for that family. And I saw a family go through fire, and I saw a family's faith stand up in the midst of great flame. It was a faith that could be trusted no matter what. And so when she brought this teenage boy up to meet me, first of all, I was amazed that she had one that had made it that far. But immediately, I was, I was just overwhelmed with the sense of great faith that this, this mother and, and her parents have had and had demonstrated. Sometimes you experience the presence of God in the most intimate and powerful way in the middle of fire. Look what happens, verse 27. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair on their head of their head singed. Their robes were not uh, scolded, scorched, my paper clips in the way. And there was no smell of fire on them. Now, I told you earlier that I build fires in my yard from time to time. 
I don't ever do that that I walk away and don't smell like smoke. I mean, that's just part of building a fire, right? You get close to a fire, you're going to smell like smoke. These guys didn't even smell like smoke. Verse 28, then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command. Now he's giving them kudos for disobeying him. And were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. That is a faith that has been tested by fire. And that is a faith that can be trusted. That is a faith that God calls us to. Now, you could be in the room this morning and you might not be a Christian and you'd say, okay, preacher boy, why would I come to Christ? Here's my answer to that. I, I believe strongly that most people, if they're dead level honest, they want something bigger than themselves to belong to. Why else do people do great things in life? Why else do people join organizations and clubs and committees? Why is it that we do some of the things that we do? We do those things because we want to belong to something bigger than us. We, we know we're not perfect. We, we know we got lots of problems, but we, we want to belong. We want to we know that there's something big and there's something real. And when it comes to God, you, you may have, you know, you may not be a Christian and you may not have very many God conversations, but whenever it does turn to that subject, you probably, your interest is probably piqued a little more than you want anybody to know. And if the truth really is known, you'd like to be a child of God. You'd like to know that you you are in right stead with him. You'd like to know that he loves you and that your future is secure. You'd like to know those things. You've just never really done anything about it. But you don't want to look like all the other Christians you know. You don't want to talk like that. You don't want to have to dress a certain way. Listen, I'm, this is what I'm here to tell you today. You don't have to look like us. You don't have to dress like us. You don't have to talk like us. God loves you just the way you are. Now, is he going to move into your heart and your life, and is he going to change some things around over time? Absolutely. That's a constant, ongoing thing, trust me. But if you've never given your life to Christ, and whenever you get to this part of the sermon, and the preacher starts talking this way, you think to yourself, man, I really wish that I was that. But I don't know how to be that. Well, it's not about knowing how to be that. It's about understanding that what God did on the cross, he did for you, that what he did on the cross forgives you, saves you, makes you clean, makes you what the Bible calls righteous, which means a right standing with God. Which means when God looks at you, this is amazing to me, that when God looks at you, he does not see your sin, he does not see your failure, he does not see your insecurities, he does not see anything that gets in the way of us and our relationships and the way we do life and all the stuff that complicates our life. All he sees is righteousness. If you've never given your heart and your life to Christ, I, I say this all the time, if you do, life doesn't instantly get easy. Life isn't, you know, some grand party once you come to Christ and you have no more problems. Your problems may increase. But one thing is definitely true. When you go through a fire, you know where relief comes from and you know who's holding your hand and you know that you're not doing it by yourself. And if you're tired of going through life by yourself and you think, man, I just wish I had one friend I could count on, that friend is Jesus. And if you've never given your heart and life to him, you can do that this morning 
simply by praying and simply by accepting Christ into your heart will take you, will baptize you in obedience to scripture. You can start a new life with Christ and you will never worry again about your eternal security. If you've never done that, you need to do that. We're going to give you that chance when we stand and sing in just a moment. Let's pray together first. Father, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are a huge example to us. And uh, Man, when I compare myself to them, I, there's lots of places in my life where I could really point and say, no, I didn't do that very well. Father, we love you big. There's really not any question about that. We, we love you immensely. It's, it's just the fires are scary the fires of what other people would say the fires of ridicule the fires of life that gets really hard the fires of unhappiness the fires of um, contentment what we want what we don't have it all father just rages around us and we're constantly given reasons why we uh, could compromise our culture really encourages compromise in fact sometimes we could even be applauded for it but then we look at Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and everybody around them is on their knees and these three guys are standing straight up there's a fire waiting on them there's a furnace that is the consequence for their behavior and they know that you are able to save them they know that you might even be willing to save them but what they really know for sure is that even if you do not save them they will not bow down father that is the kind of faith that we all long for and yearn for and that is our goal that is what we want we just simply cannot do that by ourselves, god we've got to have your help and i pray lord that you would do that for us this morning you would help us to live that kind of life we're so imperfect we love you so much God for the one who's in this room this morning who has never given their life to Christ I pray that they would not look at this as some kind of club that they're joining or, or that they're, they're going to have to be some kind of Bible toting Jesus freak now help them to see that, that what really they're responding to is a huge love that you have for them that they may try to deny and they may try and run away from but there's just no way to deny that and run away from it forever Lord, this morning might be the morning that they finally say, okay, enough's enough. I don't even fully understand it all. I just know that I need God. Lord, I pray that you would just come sit on their heart until they move in your direction. Father, we love you. We are so blessed to be called your children. And it's in Christ's name we pray these things just now. Amen. Thanks for visiting. We hope you've been encouraged. Please feel free to visit us online at clcchurch.com.